Welcome, welcome to As You Were, to As You Were, a podcast, a podcast about alkaline trio, about alkaline trio. Where every week, where every week, we talk about one, we talk about one alkaline trio song, alkaline trio song. And this week, and this week, it's burning. It's burning. It's burning. It's burning. There's a lightning storm. Well, I guess my question for the top of As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio this week is, did our audience find that effect as annoying as I did mm-hmm. driving my Volvo 940, listening to Crimson for the first time and wanting to throw my CD out the fucking window? Probably, uh, but let's back up a sec. Crimson. Crimson! We've talked about this record a lot. We did a we, whole episode about it on Patreon. On Patreon. Where we resequenced the whole thing. Patreon.com slash as you were. Because I've had issues with it. You being David, me being Tim. Correct. I Both good. Both good. My favorite, uh, my favorite. My favorite opinion of it was uh, <laughs> our friend Jim Guy saying that I made... Better Crimson and you made Church and Destroy. Yeah. Which, not inaccurate. Dude, both, I, both I, I love making Church and Destroy. No, it's good. It's good. But walking back, you're getting in your Volvo, you put the CD in. Did yeah. you Had you heard any of the songs before? Were you, did you know what you were getting into? Where were you at with the band? And then where were you at when Burn started? I think that I was wavering. Um, I really liked Time to Waste. And... I can't remember if I saw the video for it before. Mm-hmm. I was, I would say, getting into that phase of being someone who cares about music where you kind of just become a pain in the ass for a little while. Uh-huh, yeah. I think that I was really shifting into, like, I just fucking heard Neutral Milk Hotel for the first time. Like, I, you know, I bought the Arcade Fire record the moment I saw the Pitchfork review for it. Like... This is where I'm at. Sure. Um, Alkaline Trio, though, they're they're a band that I'm... They, I care about them a lot. I care about them deeply. I think that when I went into this record, I was like, mm, this better be good. Yeah. And then I got to this song, and I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Yeah. Now, since the start, we've had very differing opinions on this one. Yeah. Because I guess my I was in a similar place. Uh, instead of getting into Neutral Milk Hotel and Arcade Fire, it was more like going the opposite direction almost entirely of being like, I'm really into like Flux of Pink Indians and Rudimentary Peni uh-huh. and like um, things that sound like two explosions having an argument. Uh-huh. That was really my lane at the time. Still really liked Alkaline Trio a lot because I really like Good Morning. So, and I really like Time to Waste. And I like really you. like Good Morning too. I yeah. don't know what, I, I honestly, <laughs> I think what, going back a little bit, I think what started to turn things for me really was the split with One Man Army. That, sure. I've really come around to some songs on that, but that release is, it's so interesting to me because it's so on its own. It's so. Yeah unique in a lot of different ways but when i heard it i was just like what's the point of this yeah i mean it definitely felt like it was those songs didn't grab me in the way anything really preceding it 
did. I don't dislike any of them really, but none of them were, oh my God, I love this in the way that so much early stuff was. Um, but Time to Waste came out and I remember hearing the single or seeing the video. It was before the record was out for sure. And just being like, wow, I really like that. Yeah. Like that song is fucking great. It's crazy that he was able to finish the video with that broken string. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite, we've talked about it before, but when they played Letterman on Good Morning and you hear a pick slide but do not see one. Uh-huh. Good stuff. Um, a lot of a lot of magic happening behind the scenes or behind the drum riser in this specific case. A lot of dark magic. Um, but anyway, Burn, I think I probably had a similar reaction. And then immediately was like, nah, I like it. Yeah. This is cool. Within the... the... Yeah. Within that first listen. Yeah. I was immediately on board. And, uh, go ahead. Sorry. I mean, I guess I've always loved the chorus of the song. I've always loved the bridge of the song. And I think similar to you, I've never been someone who's like, I'm not really like a guitar effects person, especially when it's written as the crux of it. It's why I've never really cared about bands like U2. It's why I think most like garage rock is terrible. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, reverb, very interesting <laughs> idea. Um, so like, it's a fine line. It's a really fine line. It's a, and it's, you, you know it when you hear it really, like if it's beyond the pale for you. Right. And hearing this the first time, especially with it being panned in both ears, I was kind of like, because mm. that's a move I'd heard before and liked, but it was two guitar bands or things. It was like Cave-In or Botch or shit where it was like, oh, this is a little weirder. And this just felt so much like line six effect on. Uh-huh. Yeah, dude, that spider. Like, yeah, it was that. Oh, oh insane. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that for me it was – I think I always have a tough time with uh, – I, I need – at the very least, the illusion that there's a band that's playing this. Sure. And when it's that obvious in that guitar effecty way that the Alkaline Trio is not playing this yes. and then adding things on top of it, it takes me out. I get that. Sadie is a song on this record that has... 45 layers of things <laughs> yeah. lapped on top of the Alkaline Trio, and I fucking love it. But it's got to have that band at the center. And this was just like, cool, you got a new, new guitar effect guy, yeah, and you wrote yeah. a song based off of it. Well, I mean, I think that's that, that opening guitar effect is rough. And I, I think is it's definitely a line in the sand moment, I feel, where... You know, if you were someone who liked the early stuff, had been someone seeing them at the fireside back in the day, whatever the fuck, and you get to this, you probably didn't like Good Morning all that much, maybe even didn't even like Infirmary that much, but you get here and you're like, I'm going to try again. You're kind of souring on them. This is the moment of like, all right, well, I'm gone. This is Metallica cutting their hair and being like, give me fuel, give me fire. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's that moment of like, we've committed to this and if you don't want to be here, well, get the fuck out. And it's it's something where, like, Crimson is one of those records that we both have pretty strong feelings about, I think, in the positive. There are issues with it. Mm-hmm. But I I like, especially in, in the present moment, I like how 
big of swings they're taking. I definitely have come around to that point. And when we did the Patreon uh, resequencing, mm-hmm. I was still feeling very negatively about Burn. But yeah. I kind of made it a like a, just a, a, a rule that I set for myself that my sequencing of this record includes Burn. Mm-hmm. because it's part of this record. I might not like it, but it's part of what they were doing on this record, and sure. I feel like not representing that is... It's a little bit of a an easy way out. Yeah. Because the way that... It, Church and Destroy, it's, it's good. I like it a lot, because I want them to just, you know, go back to sure. a, a half a year before when they wouldn't want to do anything like that. But when I put it on my my new sequence i put it as the last song on side a Mm -hmm. and listening to it in that order i was like oh this is great yeah this is exactly where this should end it puts a piece of punctuation on it and then i started to realize you know i really like that chorus Mm -hmm. you know i really like the second verse when things pick up and the effect is still there but it's a little more muted. It's muted because there's other instruments that are playing behind it. And, oh, I really like this bridge. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. And then every time I listen to it, I'm like, I still fucking hate that beginning. <laughs> no, I totally get that. It's one of those things where I played this for my girlfriend Nina for the first time last night. And she's a, she's a big Blink-182 fan. And she doesn't really know that much about the Alkaline Trio. And I played this for her, and as we're going through, she's like, oh, this makes perfect sense on why Matt would join Blink-182, because this is very much in that post-untitled Blink world. Which Jerry Finn had just recorded. Yes. And obviously, Alpine Trio and Jerry Finn had a relationship before, had worked together before, but... At the core of it, I do think Alkaline Trio and Blink-182 had some shared influences, the Cure, like some of that shit. So it makes sense they're going for this. Well, you also have, I think it's interesting to look at the fact that Blink-182 is in a lot of ways the more the the higher tier version of the alkaline trio the alkaline trio where they are in like the pop punk and emo world are at the very top of it yeah and if you're just to transpose that and move it up it's blink 182 and green day that are right at the top of the famous people version of it sure and i think the comparison i've kind of always made between the blinks untitled and crimson is similar to like dookie versus dear you you know, where uh, I liked Green Day a lot and I liked Blink-182 a lot, a whole yeah. bunch. But Alkaline Trio felt like mine mm-hmm. and Jawbreaker felt like mine. Mm-hmm. So when they put out Crimson, I really wanted it to be that. I really wanted it to be the record for them where it's like they're going to be that, be at that level and they're going to hit it. And I, as I've said before, probably in that Patreon episode, probably in other Crimson things, like the fact that it didn't hit it and they kind of wobbled after is sad because I think so much of them really being ambitious, throwing 40 layers on a track, writing four and a half, five minute-ish songs that are slower and have more nuance and keys, I think they could have continued to do that super well. Yeah. 
and we don't really see much of that ever again. It's true. They kind of build up to it and then back all the way down. And I mean, it's it's interesting, I guess, looking back and, and realizing that it would have been really nice if people like me weren't there to say, fuck you, don't do that. Yeah. But it's such a bold... I, I mean, obviously, we resequenced Crimson. We don't like the way that it's sequenced. But the fact that it goes the way that it does for the first three tracks, it's such a declarative statement. Yep. It's so bold. The fact that it didn't work, it's interesting if you were to look at it in a different light, if things panned out a little bit differently, yep. if this record, maybe if it wasn't, received well then but was given a lot more a bigger renaissance the way dear you was yep the way that we would be talking about this song being such a like oh man it was such a bold statement of them Mm -hmm. to do that and people hated it and they were wrong it's only that they were kind Kind of of wrong yeah that's the thing is part of it is and I think part of that is, as I've said to you before, is that guitar effect is so 2005. Yeah. It sounds really dated. It doesn't sound natural. It's not very good. Mm-hmm. As much as I defend it, and, and you made all the points I would, like, I think in, to me, this song is, when I hear it, I'm like, okay, I just need to get, I need to swallow the medicine, and then I'm going to have a very nice time. And that nice time begins when we enter that chorus, which I think is great. I think it's layered really nicely. I think Matt's vocals are great. His melody is very distinct. Yeah. I think that second verse is really good when the band is playing around that riff. And, and you really got that... those like those deep synth tones on yes. it too, where it it's... augments that oh, so much man. better. Man, and I love the fact that you have like this super, super low down synth tone, and then you have Dan's bass. Yes. I remember uh, a few times kind of forgetting whether or not Dan had just thrown like a wild effect on his bass and that's Mm -hmm. what it was but no you can hear Dan underneath it and it sounds fucking awesome too super cool the bridge love it everything drops out just Matt's vocals and doing that little like delay thing on his vocals kind of come back in really cool and the piano is great too yep and I also I I don't know I don't know if we should get too far into fixing you know what should have been done at the beginning but when you get to that bridge I'm kind of like could have done that that's the thing right because even at the end I don't love that effect but the band the way the band plays around it specifically Derek the way he's kind of doing this rhythm that is catching in those off moments those cymbal crashes just decaying really quickly that's really cool the way Mm -hmm. it kind of bleeds out is really cool um but yeah I think you know the one time where I really liked the beginning of it was the one time I saw them play it live and open with it where they're standing off stage you hear it ring out matt walks out they kind of follow him cool opening that's really dope and it's like oh that's an interesting use of this idea you're kind of teasing it and building anticipation and i've always felt like part of the issue with this song is that this record has like two really great opening tracks and this isn't opening anything yeah just track three it, it does have, I think, a really nice effect of where it is and Mercy Me following it, yeah. which is good. Bleed oh, in. Man, it's such a great it's such a great 
song that Matt farted out in five minutes. Yep. Um, I will say that it's also interesting in the, in the fact that this is really the only time that they have a bridge that repeats. And yeah. I love the fact that they go from the last chorus back into the bridge in a fuller uh, sense. It doesn't have that drop out that it does. I do think that the bridge, the first bridge that bleeds into the last chorus is kind of weak. Mm-hmm. I feel like the effect of it dropping the way that it does with the piano and then it does kind of nicely segue into that chorus. Mm-hmm. But it's, I guess there's just a little bit something missing for me sure. there. It feels like that chorus sh- doesn't hit as hard. Right. And that's, I think that that's, it, it, it's interesting in the way that the chorus is so strong because it builds off of Matt's vocal. Yeah. Everything picks up when he holds that intending to burn. Um, you lose that effect on the last chorus, and I don't think that they do enough to make it stand out, to make it a little bit different, to add something to it. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely, like, some simple solutions to that, I would agree. I kind of like that last chorus because it does feel more like the three of them playing it. It feels like a lot of the stuff that was their prior melts away a bit. But yeah, it's unlike the song we talked about last week, Cooking Wine, which was very much just like, oh yeah, I totally see how this came to be. This one I don't fucking at all. I don't know how this started. I don't know how this built out. There's obviously those Crimson demos where it's really just Matt singing against that guitar effect. Which, if that was the whole song, boy, it would be garbage. Um, But clearly they wanted to retain some of that. Clearly that was something that felt like, oh, this is this is a move we're trying to make. And I think it's just one of those where like it feels such like a studio creation. It feels like a really hard song to play live. It feels there's a lot of kind of moving parts to really make it work. And I think that's just emblematic of something I miss in the more modern era though i think you know the last record is this thing curse does a good job of kind of marrying that i think there are songs that have subtle but nice production choices but really after this there's kind of three records in a row of just like you're not really trying for anything aside from like well people like this so whatever and i think there's always been part of this band that is like you expect this, but we're going to do something else. I think that's there in the early going. I mm-hmm. think it's there through the good morning into this era. And it's something I just really wish to see again. Um, and it's a song that like when I hear it, yeah, there's a little bit of me just being like, eh, I don't know about this, but when it works, it, it really does work for me. Yeah. I think I liken it to um, an essay that somebody writes that is it, it gains an idea of what it's doing after the first paragraph. Yeah. But it doesn't go back and then figure out how do I clean this up and, and introduce this these ideas that I have in a better way. Yeah, you were cramming for the final and didn't really know where you were starting, but then really got it there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it... Where you're, like your your opening sentence was Webster's Dictionary defines burn as. <laughs> um, what do you rate it? I guess this is that, a, this is such an interesting uh, rating that we're gonna have here. That's the hard part, right? Uh-huh. And there's something we talked about in pre-pro, as we call it, that I think is a good time 
to bring up, which is there's so many things where with this band or with art in general, where it's like, I love it or hate it. But there's a lot of stuff that falls in the middle where I'm like, I love parts of it and really am embarrassed by other parts of it. Yeah. And that makes rating it incredibly difficult because to a certain degree, I have to acknowledge the problems, the flaws, but I can't pretend I don't really feel something for the other half. Yeah. So this one's going to go a little higher for me uh, just because I do have an affection for it and I've spent so much time defending it. And that's kind of the interesting space that you're in where you you have such an affinity for the things that you like and the things that yeah. you want people to hear and you just want them to not ignore the gripes that they have. Yeah. Because I know that they're too. legitimate. Yeah, they're totally fair. Uh-huh. But you didn't throw the CD out the window the first No. <laughs> and I kind of, I've planted that flag. And I can't really go back on it. Yeah. You know, it's it's an authentic opinion I hold. And for those reasons, I give it four out of five. I like that from you. I think that that's, you know, when you're, when you're making lists and you, you put the thing that you know is going to rile some people up, but the reason that you put it where you put it is because you really want to write your defense. I really believe in it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a three out of five for me. That's up from where it was the one, the one and a half out of five. Yeah. Um, And I'd say that a lot of that upswing is has come out over the past year sure. and and getting to i guess experience the end of the song many more times than <laughs> yeah, i did yeah, at yeah. first forcing yourself through it a little bit so for me it's an interesting time stamp to put it at a three out of five now because i it, it was obviously so low before and who's to say that i'm not continuing on this journey where I might end up like liking it more and more. I don't think I'm going to be defending it to a great extent, but I think that if it, if it were to ever come up in casual conversation and be like, yeah, but like check it after the first chorus is (laughs) done when you have, you're freed from all of the excess and all of the dislikes that you had from it before. So this was a fun one to talk about because yeah, like, like you said, the, um, the number of songs that fit into this category, it's not, it's not very many of them. Yeah. Uh, there's one song that I cannot wait to talk about where I fucking love it and people do not like it at all. So that's going to be a fun day for me. Because we're going to get revisit this all again. Hey, I tell you what, David. Every day that we do this is a fun day for me. Because I like hanging out with you. I like talking to you. And I like that we get to do this as often as we do. I'm winking into the microphone. Is that picking up? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking of Homer Simpson breathing <laughs> next to Frank Grimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All grimy. Um. But, hey, we do this because we do like each other on, like, Frank Grimes and Homer Simpson. Um, and, and you also live above a bowling alley and below another bowling alley, which is why you've moved. <laughs> you went to space? Yeah. You've never been? <laughs> um, 
but hey, this is a lot of fun, and we love the opportunity that we have being able to do it and being able to have so many of you out there enjoying it and participating in it. Uh, we invite you to subscribe to it on your podcast player and rate it and write a review and tell a friend. And we are on Patreon where we do do things, fun things like resequence records or talk about Chicago punk bands or Blink-182 or whatever else or whatever else comes up there's also swag and all sorts of dope shit offer a monthly pledge that helps us to continue to do it to keep the lights on and either way we're going to be back with another song for you next week and we'll see you then thanks for right now.